Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the for what he has done for us in establishing us in this great country where we can enjoy freedom. But the greatest freedom that we enjoy is the freedom that we found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And for that, we are most grateful. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse 16. That's where I'm going to take my primary text from this morning. And uh, I'm going to begin a series called Hot Topics. And we're going to talk about several things that are just hot-button items uh, that we are hearing about uh, a lot in our country today. And uh, I'm going to take a few weeks to kind of progress through some of this. I may take us through this for a few weeks, then drop it, and then pick it up later on as just other topics emerge that really are pressing uh, against the church and pressing against uh, biblical truth and, and really what God desires for his people. I I believe that we are living in a changing world. Our world is changing. And our world is changing rapidly. Morality, uh, the family unit, both of which are foundation and building blocks of society, we are seeing these things erode away. And when they erode away, society erodes away and crumbles along with it. And so we've been taught, we've been programmed, uh, we have been uh, trained to accept the idea of separation of church and state. That's not a constitutional thing. That's, that's an ideology that has been pressed upon the people of this country. And um, I believe that when morality does not govern the politics that govern people, a disintegration of society is inevitable. Let me say that again. When morality does not govern the politics that govern a people... A disintegration of society is inevitable at that point. And we have bought into this idea that the church should not influence, the church should not even dictate the direction and the uh, morality of our country. But I say to you that if we do not, we do not have a country, and we do not have a society, and we do not have a nation Richard John Newhouse said this. He said, politics is chiefly a function of culture. At the heart of culture is morality, and at the heart of morality is religion. I believe that that is absolutely true. And although the state, we do not want them influencing religion, I believe that religion must influence the state. It must influence the state. We have, as Christians, we have failed in the fact that we have kept quiet when we should have been most vocal. We have kept silent when we should have been outspoken. And and I believe that if we're going to see things change in our culture and in our society, that the church has to rise up. It has to awaken from its slumber, its sleep. And it has to become all that God intended and envisioned for it to be. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Amen. This, This erosion that we see in our society, uh, I want to say did not begin on Friday, June the 26th. And as we we look at the topic of same-sex marriage or we look at the topics 
of just morality issues that are plaguing our culture. These things did not begin on that day. They, they began many years ago. They did not begin with a Supreme Court's decision to allow same-sex marriage. It began many years ago with things like the sexual revolution, no contest divorce, uh, abortion being legalized, many other things that, mind you, the church has put its stamp of approval on. When the divorce rate in the church is as high as the divorce rate in the world, something's not right. Amen? And, 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 I'll, and I'll even put the pressure on me. When, when the pastor's divorce rate is at 52%, the church is at 51%, and the world's at 50%, something's off. Something's not right. Something's, something needs to be adjusted at that point. There should be a great difference between the two. There should be a distinct difference between the church's uh, way of living and the world's way of living. And so it did not begin on Friday, June 26, when those things happened. And I know that that is a, another pillar uh, of our foundation that seems to be falling and another pillar that seems to be now, now disintegrating. But I have faith and I have hope that as we see these things come to pass, the church will rise up and be the church. That the church will be all that God has intended for it to be. So I'm going to talk about some of those things over the next few weeks and try to help us uh, as a church navigate through these waters that we find ourselves in and, and really uh, look at them through the eyes of Christ and, and move forward in a way that He would have us to move forward. But... but um, I want to say as a church, first of all, I guess before I move on, is that we do not acknowledge. We do not acknowledge the right of the court to dictate our religious views. We do not acknowledge their right to say to us what we will and will not do in God's house. We will not perform any same-sex marriages out of this church. We will not do that. I will not do that. And I don't, I don't say that for you to clap. I don't. I don't say it for, you, for, for us to say that from a point of arrogance or pridefulness. But I, but I say it from a point of that we will not compromise the word of God here in any way that we are aware of. You know? That we are attuned to. And, and so we, we stand on what God says and what His rule of law is for our lives is supreme over what any government or nation or any strong man would dictate to us. We answer to a higher court, a greater law. And this is not something that we're going to compromise at the river. And it's not something that I will compromise personally as, as a pastor. But before I start talking about the center, though, I think that we need to start with the church. I think before we look at the sinner and, and all the ways that they've gone wrong, because I believe that a sinner is supposed to do one thing, and that is sin. I believe that the sinner sin. That's what sinners do. They, that's, that shouldn't be a shock to us. That, that, couldn't, that shouldn't blow us uh, out of the water. That shouldn't just uh, you know, mess up our lives when we see sinners doing what sinners do, and that is sinning. What, what should upset us is when we see the church not doing what the church should be doing, and that is standing for truth and rising up in the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ to make an impact on the world around us. I believe that it is vitally important that we as people orient ourselves with Christ 
and always proceed accordingly. Because in addressing sin and addressing a sinful society, which we do have to do, it is incumbent upon us to address these issues. We have to start, though, with the right mindset. And that starting point is always at Christ. And if it is not with Christ, then we do more damage than we do good. It's not our heart, it's not anyone's heart in this place to do more damage than we do good. It is our heart to always advance the cause of Christ in every life that we touch. And so the last thing any one of us want to do is hurt someone worse or push them further into their sin. We want to help our friends. We want to help our neighbors. We want them to experience the love of Christ and the opportunity for true life that He and only He can offer. And if you agree with that, I want you to help me pray this morning as I, as I talk about shifting morality. Father, we thank you today, God, for your grace, your love, your mercy. Lord, your presence that is in this place this morning, Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, it gives me confidence that we are walking with you. It gives me courage to stand and declare the things that I feel that you've placed on my heart. And so today I ask your anointing would rest upon me, rest upon this church, rest upon every saint in this place, God, as we open our hearts and minds to what you would communicate today in this room. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 17. And I'm going to actually be in Romans for a couple of weeks with the first chapter here and I would encourage you to uh, start with 16 and read on through the rest of the chapter and you'll find that many of the things that are uh, represented in the text are things that are coming to fruition now in our society and, and, uh, and the downfalls that are associated with the, the, the warnings that God gives us uh, through Paul in this passage. You'll see those things coming to pass. Romans 1, 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Barack Obama said in one of his national addresses that we, the United States, speaking of the United States, is no longer a Christian nation. And that we are now a post-Christian society. And if you're like me, being raised in a Christian environment, being raised in the Christian tradition, immediately that sets you off and it just kind of pushes you uh, to a point that upsets you. But the fact is what he said is true. And it does not do us any good as a church or as Christians to act as though what he said is not true. It is important that we understand where we are so we can get to where we want to go. If we always stand in a place of, of misunderstanding about the place that we stand in the timeline of humanity, then we'll never advance us to the place that God intended for us to advance to. And we'll never have the impact that God intended for us to have. We often act as though it's not true, but it's true. And as we read further into Romans 1 in weeks to come, you're going to see how it is true. So what will be the response of the church as the world grows darker? Question. What will be the response of the church as the world grows darker? What will be the response of the Christian as the world grows dimmer? I think that we stand at a place where there are two choices before us. We have the choice to shine brighter, to stand out, or to dim, to fit in. We can shine brighter to stand out 
or we condemn so that we fit in, so that we don't stand out, so that we just kind of blend into the crowd and that the lines between the world and church become so blurred that you can't tell when you're in one or the other. But I don't believe that that is the intentions that God has for His people. I don't believe that is the intentions that God has for this church. I believe that God has called us to stand up, to stand out, to stand bright and to shine for what God has intended for us to be. That requires us to stand firmly in the biblical truth that we find in His Word. My first point that I want to make to you this morning, I've only got two. And that is to live, we must live unashamed of God and His Word. The church must live unashamed of God and unashamed of His Word. It is, it is a, we are living in a season where it is not uh, popular to be a Christian. We are living in a world where it is not popular to stand firmly upon biblical truth. But if we are to live for God and to shine bright in a dark world, then we have to do what Paul said. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Who believes what? Who believes the word of God. Verse 17 says this, Referring to the gospel, it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. I want to take just a moment and talk to you about that word ashamed because it has some unique meanings here. I mean, first, the first meaning is, is what you would assume it to mean. It just means being ashamed. Of course, being ashamed in our understanding of the word. In other words, I'm embarrassed of God. I'm embarrassed of His word. The world has been masterful, I believe. The enemy has been masterful and making us feel archaic, making us feel outdated, making us feel as though we are simple-minded, uneducated people, making our, our, our ways seem irrelevant in the world that we're living in. Like, like the video said, I love that he says that we are taught to think that our world has grown too complex for us to believe that we could govern ourselves. The enemy would have us to believe that the world is too complex for us to stand firm in a 2,000-year-old manuscript. That the world is too difficult for us to hold on to values and truths that are historically traditional. The world has been good and making us feel like we're simple-minded for believing the Bible and for that temptation to be quiet embarrassed about our beliefs ashamed to speak out that's a real thing it's a real thing that many of us in our workplace we feel we feel we feel in our in our society we feel in our different walks of life but it also carries with it the word of shame also carries with it a meaning of disfigurement disfigurement in other words the shame because i don't look like you and that's powerful if you think about it because what Paul's really communicating there is that sometimes because we don't look like the world or we don't look like everybody else around us because we're peculiar people, because we stand out and because we're different, that it's easy for us to fall into the trap of feeling ashamed of that because we don't want to stand out. Nobody likes to stand out in a crowd. 
Nobody likes to be the, 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 the focus of attention. But as Christians, we are called to be distinct. We are called to be separate. We are called to be unique. We are called to be peculiar. And this word of, of a shame, this disfigurement, shame because my truths are based biblically and they don't look like your truths that are based in humanism. And consequently, what we have seen is that many churches and preachers have watered down truth and omitted the parts that seem too strong. It's too strong to preach that. It's, it's too uncomfortable to talk about those things. And so let's just omit them. We don't actually tear them out of our Bibles, but we might as well. We have doctrines going around all over. Good churches, or they have been good churches. Preaching now, there is no hell. There is no rejection based on our sinful lives from an eternity with God. And that's just not scriptural. That may be, that may be popular, but it's not scriptural. That if people love each other regardless of their gender, it's okay. That's not what the Word says. It's not what the Bible says. When we do that, we are living ashamed of what He has said. Because we are taking His Word and we are disfiguring His Word. We are maiming it. We are stripping it. We are ripping out parts and we are minimizing its effect on our lives. Let me take just a minute and address something else that I sense is just a, a push by the enemy. And it is the separating of the person of Jesus from the Word of God. Making this picture of Jesus and saying you can accept Jesus in this sense, but you have to separate Him from the biblical truth that you have correlated him to in the past. Let me, let me talk on about that. Saying things like, Jesus never addressed homosexuality. It's in the Bible and other places, but Jesus never talked about that. Jesus never said anything about this area, or Jesus never said anything about that area. Let me tell you something. Jesus said it all. Amen. Yes. Jesus said it all. Because this is His Word in its entirety. He, he, he inspired the authors and the writers of the entirety of the Word of God. You cannot separate Jesus from His Word. Second Timothy says, all Scripture. Somebody say it with me. All Scripture. All Scripture. That's the front to the back. All Scripture is, in, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? It's what we live by. It's the way we view our world. It's the orientation from which we, we, we proceed forward. All Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, not gender specific, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The world wants to separate the person of Christ from the word of God. They want us to accept a hippie style, love with no boundaries, emasculated version of Jesus. To do that, you have to separate him from the word. They are inseparable. 
John 1.1, 1, 1, I'll prove it to you. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. You cannot separate them. Don't take the bait this morning. I'm saying all that to say that don't disfigure the truth, the gospel, to please the world. Don't be ashamed of what the Word says and water it down so the world will accept it. Because it is the starting point for all things. It's the starting point for all things. Verse 2 and 3 says, He was in the beginning. He is the starting point for everything. He gets to define marriage. He gets to define the way we live. He gets to define what society looks like. He was in the beginning. And all things that were made were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. When biblical authority is compromised, everything is compromised. When biblical authority is compromised, everything is compromised. And so we, as a church, we must live unashamed of God and His Word. We have nothing to apologize for in regards to the Word. Now, I will say that sometimes our interpretation of it, our presentation of it, is also a measure of disfigurement of it. Because if we don't present it in the spirit of Jesus Christ, we don't present it in the right spirit at all. And so we must present it in His spirit. The world has been on eradicating biblical truth from our society. And I'm probably going to talk about some of those things in in weeks to come. I'm going to show you some ways that that is true. Why is that? Because it is the power of God that leads to salvation. It is the power of God that leads to salvation. In addition, I think that we as a church are the expression of truth about Christ and His Word. And so I'm just saying don't disfigure it by watering it down. And also don't disfigure it by mixing Christ with religiosity. There there are two sides to this. There is the side where we water it all down and we just make it okay for anybody to do anything, and that's just fine. And then there's the other side where we take Jesus and we begin to add rules to him. And we begin to layer him with a bunch of heavy junk that he never intended for us to to lay upon people. And that's mixing Jesus with religiosity. And if we need anything but Jesus, then everything that Jesus said is a lie. Because he said, I am the way. uh, He's the only one we need. So when we start saying Jesus plus, Jesus and, Jesus then, we miss what Jesus is really talking about. Taking a stand against the enemy is what we have to do, but we must also do it in a Christ-like manner. Hear me. Do it, you have to do it, but you have to do it with grace, you have to do it with mercy, and you have to do it with love. I am saying to you that we don't fight like the world fights. Nothing we do biblically mirrors what the world does. In fact, it is usually quite the opposite of what the world does. And so I'm asking you not to engage like the world engages. We are not bitter. We are not obnoxious. 
We are not arrogant. We are not brash. And we are certainly not hostile. And when we are met with those kinds of things, we are not to respond in kind. We are to respond according to Galatians 5.22 and 23. And he says that we are loving. We are joyful. We are peaceful. We are long-suffering. We are kind. We are good. We are faithful. We are gentle. And we are under control. And when we respond like the world responds, then we throw out the Spirit of Christ out of our lives. The platform for change is true relationship and spiritual engagement. It is true relationship and spiritual engagement. The best thing we can do is not post to social media, but to get on our knees and pray about what God is doing. The world is obnoxious on on social media. The world is brash on social media. The world is hostile on social media. That is not the way the Christian church responds to the things of the world. We respond through spiritual engagement and true relationship. There's not true relationship on social media. You can argue with someone until you're blue in the face on there. It does no one any good. It takes a relationship to change a person's mind. Don't, so I'm saying this. Don't disfigure God's truth, God's word, and everything that Jesus represented and died for. We need to live unashamed of God and his word. But we have to do that in a way that represents him well. The other point I want to make this morning is this. That we need to live rooted in a relationship with God and his word. Live unashamed of God and his word and live rooted in a relationship with God and his word. John 8, 31 says this, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You must know the word and live rooted in the word of God. That word abide means to continue to continue in the Word of God, to dwell in the Word of God, to endure in the Word of God, to be present in the Word of God, to remain, to stand and tarry in the Word of God. It means to consume yourself, to surround yourself, to, to, to take in, in every way, fashion and form, the Word of God into your life. The Word of God must be the ultimate decision maker for you and your life. It has to be. The Word of God has to be the ultimate decision maker for you and your life. I get so tired of, of people's argument for the choices they make being because I felt like it or because I wanted to or because it just seemed like the right thing to do. Listen, the Bible says there is a way that seems right into man, but the end therein is destruction. That's why we don't govern uh, based on our feelings and the direction that we choose to go in or whatever is popular. We go back to something that is absolute and steadfast and unchanging and that has already settled the truth for our lives. And that is God's Word. So we must let it be the ultimate decision maker for us. If God's Word says then that is the truth for me. It has to be the ultimate and final authority for every decision that we make. 
The second thing that there is that we must know Christ and stay rooted in a relationship with Him. The Word of God and Jesus are inseparable. But you connect to them in different ways. You know, you connect to the Word through study and through, through, through deep uh, just meditation and, and just, uh, just spending time studying God's Word out. But when you spend time with Jesus, you spend time with Him through prayer. You spend time with Him through worship. And that experience that you have with Jesus brings to life the words you read upon the pages of the Bible. It brings them to a reality in your life where you can truly understand what God is trying to say through an experience with Jesus. We have to know Christ too. We have to stay rooted in a relationship with Him. A relationship requires energy and effort. We know this. And so we must put energy and effort into that relationship with Jesus. You have to put energy into your prayer life, energy into worship. You know, uh, commercial break, we have prayer meeting at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And I know for some of you, you can't because of children and different things of that nature. I understand. But if you can be here, please be here. The presence of God was strong in this house at 9 o'clock this morning. And, and he, was, he was strong throughout our service. And I just believe that we're in a season where if the church doesn't start to pray and spend time with Jesus Christ, seeking Him, just going after Him, and spending time with Him, we are not going to be ready for whatever comes down the pike. And we're not going to be in tune with Him enough to recognize the pitfalls and, and the uh, plans of the enemy as they come our way. We're not going to know what to do in reaction to those things. And so we must spend time in prayer. I encourage you to stay faithful to church. I know it's summertime and I get it. I'm going on vacation. I want everybody to go on vacation. You need to. You get grouchy if you don't go on vacation. Nobody wants to be around you if you're grouchy. But, but, but you need to be faithful to the house of God when, when you're here. You know, I know it's easy for us to, to sleep in on Sundays and things like that. But listen, we've got to be faithful to the house of God. He said not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together even more so as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of His return. I mean, it's coming. Jesus is coming back and He's coming back soon. And we need to be together in His house. Amen. Stay rooted in your relationship with Christ. Don't let anything or anyone move you off your foundation of Christ and His Word. Amber, I'm going to ask you to come to the piano this morning. And I just want to say as I close today that we need to live unashamed of God and His Word. Live rooted in God and His Word. And no matter what comes your way, when we live that way, no matter what comes our way, we can overcome. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Would you stand with me this morning? My altar call this morning is very simple. If you're here, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have a relationship with Him, I implore you today to please begin that journey. To start 
a relationship with Jesus, He will change your life. He will walk with you through the difficulties and the seasons that you face in this, in this world. A relationship with Jesus makes all the difference. And without Him, really, I have nothing. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't know where I stand with God. I don't know if I have a true relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. I'm not confident this morning, Pastor, that if He returned today, that I would spend eternity with Him. You can be. You can be. You can be assured of that today by simply accepting Him as your Lord. Join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burke Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.